Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, T.P. Sidhu. It's week 15. The Texans are heading up to Indianapolis. It's the last road game of the 2020 season for the Houston Texans. Not the way they thought they'd be playing this Colts team in December, but they still want a chance to win these final games. Deshaun Watson obviously wants to play the rest of these games. We saw what happened against Indianapolis just a few weeks ago uh, where he had a chance to lead the team down the field for a game-winning drive, but... You know, the bad snap from Nick Martin, uh, Deshaun Watson was at the goal line, couldn't recover it. The Colts recovered it instead, and the rest is history. Just gut, gut-wrenching, gut-wrenching loss for the Houston Texans. And then, of course, uh, against the Bears, they didn't quite bounce back the way that they wanted to bounce back. So here we are. They're, the Texans are heading up to Indianapolis. We've got a big podcast because we're going to preview this Colts team again. Things have changed in the last two weeks, and uh, the Colts are in a very different situation than the Texans. They're sitting at 9-4. and four. Uh, The Colts are sitting at 9-4. and four. The Texans are sitting at 4-9. and nine. So I caught up with Lara Overton, my friend, the Colts team reporter, to talk about that Colts team. And we always sit down with a player, so we have to sit down with who's the guy that uh, – has had big games against the Colts, even in a season like this. Kiki QT, the wide receiver, who's uh, a bit of a bright spot for a Houston Texans team that's been through a lot of adversity this year. Kiki's been through his own share of adversity, and I had a chance to talk to him with what that was like for him this year, just sitting and waiting for his opportunity and, and what those mental conversations were like in his head as he as he waited and wasn't sure if he was ever going to get back on the field and have the sort of production that we all thought he would as a rookie. We saw him out in 2018. We saw him at rookie minicamp. Not one ball on the ground. He caught every single pass thrown his way. And then we saw last year no touchdowns for Kiki. And then this year he played week two against Baltimore. And then for whatever reason, inactive or a healthy scratch, you call it, or he was active and did not make a catch, from weeks two through weeks 10, he didn't get on the field till week 11 against the New England Patriots, scored a touchdown, and, and got a little bit of that uh, confidence back because we've seen uh, the emergence of Kiki QT. And maybe the second phase of his career, he sort of bounces back. He's not taking anything for granted. A great conversation I had with him. But first, Xfinity XFi gives you the speed, coverage, control, and security you need for the ultimate in-home Wi-Fi experience. Score with internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud part partner of the Houston Texans and proud partner of the Deep Slant podcast. And you know what? We can score with Kiki QT. Hopefully he has another big game against the Colts. He's had two 100-yard receiving games. Can he make it three? Well, he certainly hopes so. We certainly hope so. I had a chance to catch up with Kiki a little bit earlier in the week. Take a listen. Kiki, before we start, I just have to say we do the pregame show. And one of my favorite shots is you warming up because you are really, you're putting out the dance moves. And I feel like if I watch you long enough, I can probably guess what song you're singing because you're just like, you know, the words to everything. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I just try to get uh, get going before the game. You know, I'm always trying not to get too hyped. But yeah, if you catch me before the, the pregame, I'll pr- probably be juiced up a little bit dancing. I miss being on the field, actually watching you guys warm up. Who who else out there is really um, getting loose with you uh, in pregame warmups? Uh, maybe Stevie Mitchell. Uh, not too many guys, you know, they're trying to conserve their energy. So, you know, everybody's trying to control their emotions. But I would say Mance, you know, he's a little crazy before pregame. But um, everybody else, you know, everybody's pretty uh, self-centered. You know, everybody has their different routine before the game. I like it. I mean, keep it going. It's a lot of fun to watch. Let's talk about this season for you. I know you've been asked about it a ton. It's just had its share of, of up and downs. And for you personally, uh, the way the season started to where it's going now, 
if you put the Texans record aside, I mean, you're out on the field and you're really contributing to this offense right now. What's it been like for you these last few weeks, just getting back into the game, back into the plays and just getting your confidence back? Just being out there, I say first and foremost is a blessing just to be back out there um, being able to compete on Sundays, you know, but I'm um, just, uh, I would say I'm back to doing what I'm normally um, doing, you know, just making plays, you know, trusting in my abilities and, you know, having that great relationship with my quarterback. So, you know, just to be out there the last couple of weeks and actually getting able to produce, you know, uh, I'm sure it makes everybody feel good. We haven't seen a lot of you this season, but in recent weeks we have. So if you look back from year one to now, where do you feel like you've really improved the most when you look back at from your rookie year to now? You know, what, would it be in your route running and, and how you study defenses? Is it your mechanics? What do you think has, has made the biggest improvement since you've been in the league? Well, I would say just uh, the speed of the game and just uh, attention to detail. Um, you know, not just uh, just knowing where I need to be at the right time, depths around, things like that, you know, um, being quarterback friendly, just the small details that go into the game, you know, to actually help my quarterback throughout the game. So, and just continuing to get 1% better every single day. So I'll just say those two things, man. And, and knowing where to be on the field, I know this offseason was a weird one, but you and Deshaun had a chance to to practice a little bit. Chad Hansen, he got together with some of the receivers. How, how much does that really help you to just fine-tune some of that outside of a normal practice week in the offseason, just when things aren't crazy, to, to actually work on that? And what sort of feedback do you look for from a quarterback? Uh, I feel like um, just um, things that he sees um, where you need to be, like uh, just for instance, you know, on a particular route, the depth, things like that, how he sees it, how he sees the defender. So I feel like those one-on-one, um, those one-on-ones during the summer is really helpful because, you know, that gets the timing down. Quarterback knows where you're going to be, you know, and obviously builds trust. So I say just getting out there working with those, the quarterback in the summer really helped us. Did you ever watch any wide receivers similar to the position and the, the role that you play in this offense? You know, who who do you sort of look to and, and model your game after? Well, I would say I watched a lot of Tavon Austin growing up, um, just similar size, stature, same ability. So still kind of watching to this day, you know, someone I've always watched growing up. But, um, I would say mostly just um, the last couple of years, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, just being around him and Will Fuller, Cooks, Cobb, you know, those veteran guys, you know, good guys that know how this game goes. So I feel like just being able to have those veteran guys in my room the past couple of years really helped me. Yeah, that wide receiver room has changed so much since you showed up in 2018. It's it's even changed so much. We talk about it since the start of the season, the four wide receivers that, uh, you know, everyone thought were going to be the starting four, or at least a big part of this of this offense, no longer, no longer playing games here in December. Will Fuller, obviously, Brandon Cooks didn't play in that Chicago game. You know, hopefully he comes back. But Randall Cobb goes on IR. Kenny still gets waived. What's that like from a receiver standpoint? Because it, are you expected to do a little bit more when when guys go down, or do you do you stay true to the type of receiver that you are? I would say uh, most importantly, stand true, uh, stand true to who you are. Uh, because you know, once you press and you know you start try to make too many plays, you know that's when bad things happen. So you know, I feel like when those guys went down, you know, we got the room for the guys to step right into it, and that's what we've done every single game after that, you know, as a fantasy as well. So we have guys that can step in right away. And with some of those losses also in the return game got affected and we see you out there doing some kickoff returns, some punts. And now you're mostly kickoff return, at least against Chicago, you're mostly kickoff return. Uh, you know, we joke that you have to be a little bit crazy to be in the return sure. game and return kicks like that. But what do you enjoy about that the most? And, and you know, what is it that you're always trying to work on as far as as improving because I know that's really hard to do when you're not getting game reps and to go into a game and then be fielding punts and kicks it can't be an easy easy task to take up 
Yeah, I feel like just um just being a playmaker back there. You know, that's what a a key returner and a prime returner is. You know, they put a guy back there that they know they can make plays in the open space and expecting that guy to see those holes. So I'm saying, yeah, you got to be a little crazy with those guys running down there full speed at one guy. So I feel like um, it's really helped me just to show my ability in, in different ways, you know, not just receivers. So just showing that I'm capable of doing everything that they're asking of me. Do one of those feel more instinctive to you than the other feeling, whether it's feeling uh, I kickoffs say, or um, I would say um, punt return is more natural, even though I haven't had that much experience in the NFL so far doing it. Just because it's a lot more space and opportunity, you can see things hit um, a little bit different. The kickoffs a little faster, a little faster. You don't have that much time to run around as you would at a punt return. So, kind of feel like I would favor a punt return more, but kind of equal on both. I would say as well. Well, Tim Kelly was asked about you, and and he said, and I'm going to quote, he said he was proud as hell of you and you and Chad Hansen because. You guys didn't really play a lot this season. Then you came in against Indy the first time and made some really big plays and came in clutch for this offense. So how hard was that for you to come in? I know you waited for your opportunity since week two against Baltimore, but you know, what is, what is the mental conversation like in your head, you know, as a player when you're sort of waiting to get through those weeks, because you don't know when your opportunity is going to come, but then when it does, you have to be, you have to be ready. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like it's long and hard, you know, you're just waiting on any given Sunday just to be ready to play. So for that extended period of time, you know, you can't dwell on it because it can only get worse from there. So I feel like just keeping keep believing in yourself and just being ready to go. You know, um, I didn't know my number was going to get called again. And then it came that New England game, you know, Cobb had the injury and I was unaware of it myself, you know, and so I was ready to go. So just to be out there and be back in the moment. So I've been ready to go ever since. And people seem to be really happy for you and your success in recent weeks. I mean, you already got m- more touchdowns than you did, you know, your rookie year and, and you're getting in the end zone more and more, but fans seem to be really excited that you're, you're back out on the field and they can see what you're doing. How much does that mean to you? Just being a guy from Lufkin, Texas and growing up in the state of Texas, how much the Texans fans have embraced. No, um, it means a lot to me just to so they still have the, um, the uh, belief in me, uh, even after the best of, uh, you know, I'm just really appreciate that um, they're there. They're there able to uh, appreciate me and see what I can do. I would say I can just keep doing better things and just keep bringing uh, production. All right. Well, Deshaun Watson said that he's really proud of you as well. He said that that what we've seen so far is not even your limit. That you that Kiki can get a lot better. So tell me, I want to know from you, how do you think? that you can get better and, and what, what is still out there for you to attain? Uh, just not getting complacent. Uh, I feel the same way as Deshaun. Uh, I feel like I haven't reached my limit yet, not even close. So I had a lot of great games so far in my career, but I feel like I can go even, even further. So, you know, just taking my game to the next level, uh, never being complacent. I always want to be the best side in this league one day. So I'm going to keep working towards that. All right. We can't wait to see what uh, the future has in store for you. Always a pleasure, Kiki QT. Yes, Thank you. I appreciate it. It's really amazing to see how this season started with the four wide receivers we thought would be out there. And, and Kiki QT against the Bears was really the number one target for Watson besides the tight ends because Stephen Mitchell, Chad Hansen, they came up from practice squad. Two young guys that obviously they had a lot of production on the field, but no Randall Cobb. There was no Brandon Cooks. There was there's no Kenny Stills. He's not on the team anymore. And, of course, Will Fuller serving um, the suspension. So, Kiki was really the most veteran guy out there. So hopefully Brandon Cooks joins him again on Sunday as the Texans head to Indianapolis. And I just want to let you know that if you want to listen to that game, you want to watch it and you don't have CBS, download the Houston Texans mobile app and you can watch it 
there. We got you covered. All right. Well, let's get right into our interview behind enemy sidelines. I had a chance to catch up with Lara Overton. She's a team reporter for the Colts. I always have a good time catching up with her. I just talked to her a few weeks ago. And, you know, the Colts are really excited. They're doing this whole playoff push thing in December. I'm super jealous because normally this is the point of the season where we would be talking about playoff scenarios and who might the Texans face, who might they host. And the Texans are not there, but hopefully next year they will be. But you know what? It's always a fun battle when these two teams are competitive. And no matter what the record is, this is always a tough matchup. Colts and in, and, and, and the Texans, whether it's at NRG Stadium, whether it's at Lucas Oil Stadium, um, it's been make or break seasons pretty much every, the last few years, even for the Texans, that they've had to win those games up at Indianapolis. And you know what? They want to win this game as well because it's a matter of pride now heading into the final three games of the season. They want to play a little bit of a spoiler and they will be looking to do so. But they got to face Phillip Rivers once again. And I had a chance to catch up with Lara and ask her what this Colts team has done in the last two weeks. That loss for the Texans was a tough one to swallow. And I think on the other side, what did that win mean for the Colts? Well, I first have to clarify that I'm not taunting the Texans with the photo of T.Y. <laughs> over my shoulder. That's been there for several days. I put that up there. And so it was not immediately before this segment was recorded, I promise. So the Colts really took into Houston a playoff-like mindset. We hear that all the time, you know, that you get into the month of December and you do have that mentality that each and every week you're fighting for to keep yourself alive for the next week that follows. So they have maintained that mindset. They came out of the loss to Tennessee with a chip on their shoulder, knowing they had back-to-back really tough road games against one, a conference opponent in Las Vegas. And of course the divisional opponent in Houston facing the Texans twice in a stretch of three weeks. And that game, I mean, that was a nail biter for the Colts. You're putting all of your faith in your defense at the end of that game to come up with a play. And one of the things that we learned after the game was that Grover Stewart had picked something up uh, over the course of the game. And there was a particular like stunt that he wanted to run that he wanted to utilize in that position. He relayed that to Matt Eberflus and Flus put him in a position to execute it. And that's what changed the game. You know, what led to the Anthony Walker fumble recovery. And, you know, one of the things is, you look at that game and and post uh, that week, that matchup between the Texans and Colts in Houston. And now the next week has gone in different directions for each. The Colts have a, another win, a big one over the Raiders and the Texans coming off, off a loss. But what maintains from that is this immense respect that the Colts have for the Houston Texans. You and I have talked about at the end of the game, the moment where T.Y. Holton went up and consoled Deshaun Watson, that show of, of immense respect I know that the, this coaching staff has great respect to for the Texans and week in and week out the resilience that they have proven based on all of the circumstances, the numerous adversities and challenges that you guys have faced in 2020. So for the Indianapolis Colts, you feel like you're in the driver's seat to maintain a push to the playoffs to stick to extend play out of the regular season but there is no room for error there's no ability to let your foot off the gas with the games you have remaining Houston is always going to play you tough whether that is at Energy Stadium or if that's at Lucas Oil Stadium so they're very much and taking again same thing this week again this is a playoff like mindset we are playing for our lives in 2020 to try to extend this season as far as possible because 
the AFC is tough this year. I mean, everyone is clawing their way in. I mean, look at the showdown you saw on Monday night football. I mean, my gosh, that just is an indication of how tough it is to get into the postseason in the AFC in 2020. And the Colts are very much fighting to keep those playoff hopes alive. Yeah, nine and four and four and nine. I think some of the the best battles that these two teams have had is when they're both sort of clawing to get their way into the playoffs and for division lead. Unfortunately, Texans mathematically eliminated. And I was going to ask you what the Colts' uh, vision is facing the Texans in the rematch. And I I think you're right. I think it's important, obviously, for them to, to sort of win out and solidify their position. Let me ask you about the guy on the wall behind you that you alluded to earlier, T.Y. Hilton, because before... The Texans game against the Titans, that was his first touchdown of the year. He gets another one against the Texans, and then he scores two in last week's win over the Raiders. So when you and I spoke last, it was tough sledding for T.Y. Hilton and Phillip Rivers and getting that chemistry going. What's really changed? Has the chemistry just gotten better? Has he just gotten healthier? Has the offensive scheme changed a little bit? What, what is it that's making T.Y. Hilton really take off the way he has in recent weeks? I think it's it's a great question, and it's something that when I when I talk to Philip Rivers and we hear from him week in and week out, he had reiterated that in practice that you know they're on the same page, they're clicking, and it just had yet to transpire. And there was some frustration from the point you can feel it for Ty. You want him to have. I mean, that's from you know all around. That's from the fan base. That's on a coaching perspective. That's within the team because everyone saw. T.Y. is putting in the work. T.Y. is putting in the time. He and Philip were clicking in practice. And you just had yet to see it come to fruition in a game. And one of the things that I, I think led to a bit of a breakout that you've seen from T.Y., we're seeing him play the best he has since 2018. And part of it is that Philip Rivers, even in those opportunities when maybe T.Y.'s numbers and production hadn't been where we've been used to seeing it, T.Y. was, excuse me, Philip was distributing the ball to so many different receivers. I mean, 9, 10, 11 guys who he would get passes to any given week. So it started to be that they were spreading the ball around so well. It was only a matter of time before you just weren't going to be able to keep everybody covered all the time. And in that game against Tennessee, you saw the big chunk play. You saw him. I mean, it was very vintage T.Y., a little toe drag in the end zone for the touchdown grab. And I think he really did build a lot of momentum and some confidence off of that. And you know the way that he plays in Houston. It's it's just that mindset that he has where he loves to play in that environment. And so he was able to keep that rolling. And one of the things I, I believe also that has opened things up for T.Y. is the complimentary run game that we've seen, especially with Jonathan Taylor and the production that he is having. I don't want to say that he was having rookie struggles. Like, that's not it at all. But you did not see the rushing attack numbers that you saw in 2019. And so it just kind of took a while collectively for this offense to really see that ground game get going like they anticipated that it would, like they wanted to see it going. So that's the thing is when you do start to see the production from your running backs, and then that's just kind of continuing to open up the playbook for, for T.Y. Hilton. And he's a tough guy. Once he gets rolling, he's a tough guy to contain. Yeah, we've certainly seen that firsthand. Uh, let me ask you about Jonathan Taylor, because uh, the last time we chatted, it was him, it was Hines. They were both sort of splitting the carries, but he's really coming off of a standout performance, especially in that uh, win against the Raiders, 150 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Has he solidified himself as a three-down back? Are the Colts looking at 
at him possibly as the guy and what happens next year when Marlon Mack comes back? Is there starting, is there a little bit of that discussion going on? Well, of course, also, when you talk about Jonathan Taylor's production in 2020, he's one of just four rookies this season to have multiple hundred yard rushing games. And then he's the first Colts rookie to have multiple hundred yard rushing games uh, since Joseph Adai back in 2006, a guy who was integral to your um a Super Bowl team back then in that season. So one of the things you look to is I do think that he has solidified himself as that bell cow back, so to speak. That's always the verbiage that you hear in terms of the guy who is getting the bulk of the carries. I do think that the Colts will very much continue to mix things up because it's a priority to have Naheem Hines in position to make some plays um, and use him in you know some of those pass catching roles as well. We've seen Jonathan Taylor also get his hands on the ball in the receiving game as well. And that's one of the things that has really diversified his ability and his production within this offense. One thing worth noting that you do have to think about for Marlon Mack is that he's in a contract year. So it is going to be interesting to see what happens in the offseason. He's continuing to, to um, make great progress. He posted a video the other day where he was up and running on the treadmill as he comes back from that torn Achilles. So there are a lot of questions surrounding the future of this running back position. So it's going to be interesting to see what unfolds. I can tell you that Marlon Mack is a very highly respected, very well admired, highly regarded teammate and just guy in the organization. So he is certainly someone who is looked upon as a great leader in this locker room. Jonathan Taylor relies heavily on Marlon Mack's perspective, Marlon has come in and he's sat in on meetings when he's able, while he's juggling his own rehab, when he's able to provide perspective, tried to jump in and do so to help guide Jonathan Taylor. So this is a great situation where you feel like those two guys in a one-two punch or what Frank Reich likes to call a one-one punch because he thinks they're both deserving of number one back distinction. There's a ton of promise for what those guys bring in terms of being a tandem on the field that you would like to see that if it's able um, to come to fruition in 2021, there were high hopes for what that would look like in 2020, unfortunately losing Marlon due to the injury, but certainly Jonathan Taylor is proving his reliability that we saw coming out of university of Wisconsin. All right. This uh, Colts offense against the Texans in the second half scoreless, they come back out against the Raiders had such a great win, 44-27, that the Raiders fired their defensive coordinator after the game, Paul Gunther. So that leads us to our next-gen stat presented by AWS. The Colts actually rank fifth in the NFL in points per game. They're averaging 28.6 points per game. So let's start with Phillip Rivers. I mean, has is he playing the best football you've seen so far this year? Was the Raiders game just an anomaly? Uh, what do you see him taking from that game and carrying forward for the next three weeks? I really point to Philip did not have a great game at Cleveland that lost to the Browns. I see as a really, as a pivotal point for this offense. And after the game, it was interesting and, and DP, you know, hearing Philip Rivers press conferences, as long as we have in the, in the NFL, I don't think anything surprises you because he's a guy who offers a lot up typically. And he was incredibly candid in that conversation um, a week later, a couple he was after it was a week removed from the Cleveland game from that loss when he admitted he went back and he read what all of the beat writers were writing. And he said, you know, if, 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 if Rivers stinks it up, you guys better write Rivers stunk it up, you know, and he didn't play well. And so he looked at all that and he was like, you know what, they're, they're right. I didn't, didn't play up to my standard. I didn't play up to 
the Colts standard. I didn't play to the standard that we practice within. And he channeled all of that and then has put this team in such great position offensively. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers on Sunday against Oakland, 19 of 28 passing for 244 yards and two touchdowns, a 118, almost 119 passer rating. And that's been really consistent with where his production has been um, leading up to the bye, coming out of that loss to Cleveland. And then afterwards, it's continued to be at that same level. He's distributing the ball very, very well. Um, And a couple of things to keep in mind as well. He's played games where he's been out his starting center. We've had rotation at left tackle because Anthony Costanzo has that MCL sprain. And then you saw uh, LaRaven Clark come in. LaRaven Clark in the game against the Texans goes down with a torn ACL. You're on your third left tackle in Chaz Green. So then when Anthony Costanzo goes out in the game against Oakland, they move Quentin Nelson over to left tackle. So you think about how impressive it is. Phillip Rivers, not just kind of collectively the numbers he's putting up, but especially to the turnovers that he's avoiding and doing so with some rotation on that offensive line, having some different guys mixing in or guys sliding over into different positions. But to me, I really look to that point that lost to the Browns as being a pivotal point for this offense and for Phillip. I mean, you think about as well, he came in on, on a one-year deal. It's a one-year, you know, as you call it, prove it type of contract. And a lot of people, you know, were looking to, oh, is this the right move for the Colts of all the free agent quarterbacks who are out there in the 20 in 2020 free agency? Oh, man, we're going to see how this plays out. When you look at the situation now, I think it would be tough to find a lot of Indianapolis Colts fans who would not put their support behind wanting to see Phillip Rivers back as an Indianapolis Colt in 2021. Well, you enjoy his press conferences. I always enjoy his mic'd up. So I think that you guys should mic him up as often as possible. I saw JJ Watt chatting with him at the game here at Energy Stadium. And I, 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 I whispered to the person next to me I, from six feet away. I said, I wish it was a mic on him because I really want to know what those two are talking about because I bet it's hilarious. I bet it's really funny. And JJ Watt does say that that's some of the most entertaining trash talk on the field comes from Philip Rivers. <laughs> he never start. disappoints and he always does it without no. cursing. We, that's the great. That's the amazing part. Yes. From our production <laughs> department, our job is made easier because we don't have to edit or bleep anything out. It's just a, a lot of gosh, <laughs> gosh, darn it. Gosh, darn it. Golly geez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Let's talk about this Colts defense because you mentioned, mentioned injuries on the offensive line, but the defense has also suffered through its share of injuries. No Darius Leonard, no Xavier Rhodes. What can you tell us about those two? I know that they mean a lot to that Colts defense. Oh, they certainly do. And you saw the impact when they went out in that loss or in that loss in, in the uh, win for Las Vegas. Thank you. Saying the loss. I'm still not used to it. I actually earlier was recording something and I said Oakland. It's I think you said Oakland. Or, it's okay. It's all good. I think you get a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Good. I need <laughs> That's that. That's my own so personal. Anyway, life. in the win at Las Vegas, you did see Xavier Rhodes and you saw Darius uh, go out late in that game. And, you know, each, I mean, those guys are, are veteran guys, leaders within your defense. So Darius, they're really monitoring the, the back issue this week. Their first practice of the week will be on Wednesday. So we'll see what capacity he's able to practice in Xavier Rhodes. It's a knee. So when we heard from Frank Reich on Monday afternoon, he said that those are situations that would be monitored over the course of the week. One thing to me that is encouraging is that neither of those guys were ruled out. They were both just questionable for the remainder of the game in Las Vegas. So not necessarily does that give you any medical uh, diagnosis or anything like that, but it is to me indicative of 
it's not as severe as those potentially could have been. So I would certainly look to very closely watching the injury um, reports over the course of the week with Darius with the back injury and Xavier Rhodes with the knee, because you talk about two of the most physical players on the field and you need those guys, you need those guys for this stretch. So, um, and they're also two, they're really, I mean, kind of the same thing with talking about your defense. When you talk about guys like JJ Watt and what he's battled through, it's tough to keep those guys off the field, right? Like they're, they want to be out there. They're such competitors. So it would take a lot for either of those guys or both of those guys to be sidelined um, in this game coming up against Houston, but it will be certainly something to really watch for. And they will be cautious in terms of monitoring their progress and being safe moving forward. All right. Good stuff, Lara. What are some of your storylines heading into Sunday's game? I know it's a big, a big week for the Colts as are the next remaining weeks as they look to make their playoff push. Well, certainly you're looking to Anthony Costanzo and looking at his availability moving forward and what that means for this offensive line. If he's unable or he ended up coming back in to that game, of course, he, he left just for um, a driver to with that offense was able to return. So that is encouraging. You do want to be sure that he continues to make that steady progress over the course of this week, because you don't just need him this week. You need him, you know, for these games remaining moving forward as well. So the health of Anthony Costanzo is certainly going to be something that, that we're continuing to watch. And basically it seemed like that there was a little bit of a tweak that he felt early on in the game at Las Vegas that just needed to be reinforced and that he came out after that felt pretty strong, but certainly you do want to be sure that he practices well and without limitation or with minimal limitation. I think the other thing is you mentioned this defense and how does Kenny Moore come back and continue the performances that we've seen in back-to-back -back weeks? He had a pick on Deshaun Watson. He had the miraculous, so impressive one-handed interception in the end zone on Darren Waller picking off Derek Carr. I mean, that's just, I mean, one of the plays of the year, I think that's not even coming from my perspective as a Colts reporter, that's in everything I'm reading on social media, all of the chatter you're seeing nationally. And so for Kenny to be on um, this like stretch of games that he is on, and this defense is one that prides itself on takeaways. And we saw Kari Willis last week against the Raiders with a pick six as well. And they're going to need to continue that moving forward. So for me, a lot of focus on this defense and continuing to be really disruptive, play really fast and physical. You mentioned giving up among the fewest points allowed so far in the NFL. And you're going to need them to continue to just be as disruptive as they have been, especially in shutting down teams in the second half um, as we look through this stretch of December and hopefully a few more weeks after that. Yeah, Kenny Moore. I mean, he ended the uh, the uh, long streak that Deshaun Watson had, 210 pass attempts without an interception. And you know what? I asked Deshaun about it that week, and several people said that I jinxed him. So I was really hoping that would not have been ruled an interception, but it was. And and you know what? That interception in the end zone against the Raiders was very impressive, a nice one-handed catch. Lara, you're always impressive. I always enjoy catching up with you. I'm not going to get to talk to you again in 2020, but you know what? Hopefully in 2021, we can do this in person and we can meet face-to-face -face once again. Yes, I look forward to it. Whether it's you're back here, you know, visiting your family in town that's here at Indy or whether it's, you know, combine or one way, shape or form, we're making it happen in 2021. Sounds good, Lara. Thanks so much for the time and we'll talk soon. Always enjoy catching up with her, and you can actually watch that video as well as my Kiki QT interview up on HoustonTexans.com. 
Com. All right, that's going to do it for our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to tune in to Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon. Drew Doherty and I will bring you the pregame show. We'll let you know who's active, who's inactive. A lot of question marks heading into every single game and sometimes some big surprises on the active and inactive list. And we bring it to you as soon as those come out and we'll answer your fan questions. We usually have a one-on-one with a player. We hit up Mark Vandermeer up in the booth. It's a it's a pretty packed pregame show. If you have the Houston Texans mobile app, you can watch it there. It's also up on YouTube. It's on Facebook. Pretty much just follow the Houston Texans on social media. You should be covered. But you know what? You can also download the Houston Texans mobile app. Like I said, you can watch the games. And I'm repeating it because Drew and I answer fan questions a couple of times a week. And this question has come up a lot. And I feel your pain because I understand if you don't have CBS and you want to watch your games, you're struggling a little bit. So if you don't have the rabbit ears and you can't get CBS, we got you covered on the app. We got you covered on Sports Radio 610. Be sure to give it a listen. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. That's going to do it for us on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Stay safe out there. And as always, go Texans.